Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Enter the Vortex podcast with Carol and Aaron, where we share our experiences and opinions on metaphysical and physical aspects of life as we know it. How's it going? It's going well. It's Happy Freaky Friday. I know. I'm so excited. And like, obviously, we had to get dressed up for this one. Um, If you're obviously listening to the podcast, you can't see us getting dressed up. But if you watched us on YouTube, you probably would see this. I think we should describe it. It's pretty rad. I am sitting in a spooky forest with my bath friends hanging around behind me. And my lovely Erin has got some pretty wicked fangs going on. Very vampirous vibe. I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. (laughs) But like not a Twilight vampire. I want to be more like the classical like Dracula type of vampire. (laughs) That's fair. I mean, to be fair, though, I do kind of shine in the the sunlight because I'm so pale. (laughs) A little O to your beautifully porcelain skin. Yeah, I definitely turn like a perfect marshmallow when it's July in our in our city. So I will take the turn when I can. Awesome. So what are we talking about today? Oh, today we're going to talk about some paranormal funsies. Some different paranormal experiences that I've had from childhood right through to today. And we are coming right at you from my formerly haunted basement. So I think it's fitting. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> right. So did you want to start or shall I? You can start us off on this one. Cool. So where to begin? I mean, I've had some pretty interesting experiences in my life, like throughout my life. Um, I would say the first one that I ever will we'll preface this by the fact that I'm pretty sure my house was haunted or maybe still is. It's very interesting. So the house that I grew up in um, is like, I think it used to be an old schoolhouse is what we were told. Um, Not sure how that makes sense, but whatever. Um, Or it was an old farmhouse. I don't know. Either way, it was um, a house that kind of is a little bit older. I I don't quite know the age of it. Um, But it was interesting because when we moved in, my whole family, so like my parents and my sister and I, we all seem to have, I don't know, like there were some feelings about the place or um, it just didn't feel like it was just us in the house, right? And I remember feeling this, um, you know, going about day-to-day stuff and it just didn't really bother me too much. Um, and there was this one time I was, oh my God, I don't know why everything happens when I'm around seven or eight years old, or maybe that's just where I peg it. But, um, when we moved into this house, I'm pretty sure I was about seven or eight. Cause I was in, we moved in the summer of between grade one and grade two. And I think you're what seven in grade two. Yeah. Yeah. Seven, eight. Yeah. So around that time, I probably had turned seven. Um, and it's really interesting because like, I'm going to describe the floor plan of you to you, but my room is over here in the, say the back left corner of the house. And then there's this long hallway and off that hallway in the middle is a bathroom. And then at the end of the hallway was my, my parents' room. And I remember I'd come out of my room and I was going to the bathroom. And I felt like something had rushed past me. And I'm like, okay, cool. Being the logical seven or eight-year-old child that I was, I'm like, cool. Must have just been a breeze or something. Like, it's the summertime, right? 
Mm-hmm. So then I get into the bathroom and I see like a shadow zip from the toilet to the sa- uh, to the bathtub. And I'm like, oh, that just must have been my hair. That That's the only explanation, right? I'm like, cool. I finish up in the bathroom um, and I, and I come to leave the door um, and I'm, for some odd reason, everyone else was outside, but I remember going towards my parents' room for some reason. I don't know why. Um, so I start walking that way and there's a shadow, this shadow creature thing. I don't know. It was humanoid ran past me. And I swear to God, every time I like say this story, I still get chills. Hmm. And so it comes like it literally ran past me. And I remember looking at it in the hallway and like, you know how big a hallway is, right? Okay. So it's like that distance. It ran past me and I remember it looking at me and it was like time had frozen and I was like, oh shit. And it ran past me into my parents' room. I instantly got the coldest chill all over my body. I backed up against the wall and I just screamed and I don't remember, like, I remember one of my parents coming to see me and they were like, okay, what's going on? And I was like, I couldn't verbalize what in the heck I had just seen. Like, it was so terrifying. And I, I have never, like, it, it's not so terrifying now. It still, still gives me chills, but it's not as scary to me because I'm like, oh, cool. That was just like a disincarnated soul that was stuck in my house um, that I'm pretty sure I crossed over in a dream later on in my life. Um, that's another story for another time. Um, but yeah, like it absolutely scared the crap out of me and I was so horrified and I honestly don't know why we still stayed in that house, but we did. We lived there for many, many years. Um, and, uh, like it was really interesting cause it was like, I remember also, um, times in that house where, um, my, my mom used to do, um, bowling. So she would go out bowling. She'd take my sister with her. Um, this was after my parents had separated. And it would just be me in the house. And I would turn off all of the lights. I'd have it completely dark. And then I would sit there and I'd watch something like Most Haunted or Ghost Adventures or like some sort of freaky, like ghost type haunted show. And now that I'm aware of like the lensing that we have, I was probably or opening portals while I was doing that. Um, don't recommend folks if you don't know how to shut them (laughs) don't recommend because every time I did that I would start hearing footsteps around my house I would start hearing creaking I would get the coldest chills I'd feel like I'm being watched like it was fucking creepy Um, and then like my family would come home and I'd be like cool I'm absolutely horrified I'm going to bed bye um And it, like, I would do that every, like, I think it was, like, Friday night or something like that. I would do that every Friday night for many, many, many years. Um, And, yeah, now I'm, like, okay, now I have the awareness of, like, if I watch something creepy, got to check for portals after that because I might have opened that. But, anyways, (laughs) that's just a couple of little stories. That really makes me curious what it is about childhood and why we're so drawn in because I feel, like, as even as a kid for me like 
I don't know that I had any authentic paranormal experiences as a child, but we certainly looked for them. Like we would, you know, dabble in like what we thought at, at six, seven and eight years old, what it meant to be a witch and making mud pies in your backyard and mm-hmm. talking to the, the earth spirits and not realizing that like that's the fairy realm and the gnomes and the yada yada, like all the little guys out there. <laughs> um, but like even moving into adulthood and working with children in the different contexts that I have in the last like 10, 15 years, like it's just something about the curiosity at that seven and eight year old stage where they start to really like explore anything and everything that is freaky, Mm -hmm. but they also don't necessarily have any great understanding of how to control their fear response when they do explore this. And also they don't necessarily have the awareness that they might also be opening portals or communicating with spirits that maybe don't have their best intentions at heart. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like for me as a kid, I remember hanging out with the neighbors and in their basement, their basement didn't feel creepy. It actually was a very warm and welcoming space. They had a super awesome old school eighties, like electric fireplace that had that rolling wheel that made it look like it was on fire (laughs) In, in the corner of the room. I actually think they might still have that. And, um, oh my goodness, I have a spider friend who has joined us for this conversation, like a legit real spider hanging out on my candle, <laughs> just literally descended down right in front of my face on my desk. We're going to let him live, her, it, but that was interesting timing. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll crawl on the screen. Let and me add some spooky tickets. Like, I literally watched it drop down. That's funny. Anyways, um, so we were in the basement. We would often watch scary movies in the basement and uh, have the little fireplace as the only source of light other than the TV. And more towards the back of their basement, which is where they had like their own little like super 70s awesome bar and like the, there was a bathroom down there and, and her big brother's bedroom was down there. And the, the guys were never home, like they would be off working because they were much older than us, me and my little my little bestie and uh we would watch stupid things like things that we should not be watching for our age like that was our older brother's movie collection like I think I was nine when I watched The Exorcist like why like (laughs) like no I don't recommend but then of course you start doing stupid things like the you know Bloody Mary you say it three times in the mirror spin backwards or something and she's supposed to appear well of course our brothers found out that we were messing around with this kind of stuff no so they had a little fun with us and they plopped (laughs) some glowing red lights in the shower so that if we would do that it would freak us out so we would stop hanging out in the basement it was like what the heck was the point of that like it was legit like we figured it out like a later at a later time but we definitely like freaked ourselves out doing it because this bathroom had a beautiful long counter and a mirror just as wide so it was nothing for the two of us to go sneak in the bathroom shut the door behind us so that it was light tight Mm -hmm. and you know do our little stuff and like I think that my friend and I would actually intentionally try and freak each other out to see who would freak out worse. And most times it was me that freaked out first, which is so funny to me because it was always her wanting to do these things. And yet it was me that ended up like getting the worst end of it, so to speak. Oh, um, it was like, like I can laugh about it now, but I was definitely like addicted to that freaking yourself out stage in that age group too. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I don't know if you like, a little off topic, but like it just popped into my head. You know what movie really scared the shit out of me when I was a child? <laughs> the Ring. Please tell. The, oh, see, I, okay. 
So for the listeners, Erin and I are 10 years apart, so she's a little bit of a younger generation. I grew up in the 80s. She grew up in the 90s. So the ring for me, I was already almost an adult, and that was already a no bueno. <laughs> oh, my God. I, like, I remember we watched it at a birthday party, like a friend's birthday party. I know. And birthday I, parties. <sighs> why? Oh, why do we do these things? This spider jumps. <laughs> it is legit, like, almost in my face. Dude, you can't crawl on me because you will die. And I don't want to kill you. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, yeah. I need to move this lovely thing. Okay. <laughs> Let's pause. It is legit like playing this jumping game with me. It okay, is, pausing. It's funny, but it's not funny. All right, I have removed the spider. It is no longer <laughs> dangling in my face. She has happily been relocated outside. I know I didn't freak out that much, except when she was trying to jump on me. <laughs> <laughs> She's oh, like, let me love you. Exactly, but I want to love your face. I don't like spiders on my face. I can deal with them. I don't, they don't freak me out like they used to, but uh, I have some boundaries, arachnids. You need to like respect those boundaries. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, I guess technically she did because she did approach from the front, but I was just not expecting a dangling spider while I sat in my basement. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So for all you listeners out there, I hope you enjoyed that little freak out. <laughs> Here we are. I'm totally keeping that in, by the way. <laughs> oh, that's fine. That's totally fine. But we didn't need to have them bored to tears in the silence of when I took her outside. <laughs> the spider lives, y'all. The spider lives. Awesome. Oh, that was great. Okay. Where um, were we? <laughs> I was at a birthday party. That's what it was. Right, 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 right. Now I have to remember the story again. Okay, so <laughs> we were at a birthday party, and I was in junior high at the time. Um, I can't remember how old I was, but I was in junior high. And I remember we watched The Ring, and it scared the bejesus out of me. And, like... I'm talking like I would look across the room and I would see this white shape of a figure and I thought I was going to die. Like I was, I, I honestly, I don't think I've ever been that horrified from a movie before, but I legit thought I only had seven days to live after that. I was like, I'm, I'm fucked. I'm dead. I'm dying next week. Like that. <laughs> it's horrifying. But then oh, to top it off, what we did during this whole, I don't know, fun time of a birthday was we ended up playing with a Ouija board after this. And I... <laughs> of course you did. Of course That's I did. logical. <laughs> and me being the person that I am, I kind of want to have some fun with it. And so I'm kind of like slowly guiding it to freak out my friends. But then one of the girls literally saw something behind me and it scared that she like, that was it. After that, we were like, party's over. We, the, we have to go to sleep. I need my mommy. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh, no, I, I'm one of those people where like, before I really believed in Ouija boards, I was like, cool. I'm just going to move this a little bit. But then people would be like, someone's moving it. And I'd take my fingers off and then someone else would be doing it too. So I'm like, haha, it's not just me. <laughs> That's so funny. 
so oh, much. Oh yeah. See, for me, I think the trailer of the ring was enough for me to know that I would not be able to handle that well. I don't know what it is about that Hollywood paranormal stuff that really, really triggers in me. Um, but I can talk to dead people all the time with my mediumship skills, you know, like mm -hmm. doesn't phase me at all. Having a spider show up in front of my face kind of freaked me out a little bit, but yet at the same time, I'm still going to sleep comfortably tonight. But watching those paranormal movies, I almost wonder if there's something imprinted in the imagery that does kind of invoke something within the human mm -hmm. so that you do have that fear response kind of on repeat for a little while after taking and consuming in that type of entertainment. I would say that's probably very likely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's got to be something. There's got to be something to it. That also begs the question too then, like if you're not aware of your own energetic field and what it feels like to have a more nefarious entity in your presence versus the more divine beings and you've maybe opened a portal, like how do you even know what you're doing when you're watching these movies? Like that really... It makes me curious as to what you're inviting yourself in for, you know, like, mm -hmm. and is that intentional or is that like, you know, coincidence or is that just the nature of the way that they create these movies? Like, because I do know like comedies have a certain script to follow. Every kind of comedy has a beginning, middle and end. And like, that's just the way that they know that this is effective storytelling. That's how the entertainment yeah. industry survives. So I suspect there's likely some formula for each style of entertainment that's out there. Yeah, I would say that's probably very accurate. I just, I don't know what it would be. Mm -hmm. Like, that's very fascinating. I never thought of it that way, but yeah, there probably is something to that. And then, like, the last piece is also, why is it that kids are so drawn into that stuff at young ages? Is it because they actually don't have fears and they are more brave? Like, I was at a park earlier today and watching this mom freak out, like, not verbally, like, and you, I watched her body language, but she wasn't showing the kid this, but the child was on the top of the monkey bars and the mom was, like, having that, like, response of, like, if you fall, kid, like, which I get, like, working with kids and having my nieces and nephews and, like, friends, kids and all of that, like, I have that same response when I'm at the park with the kids, right? Mm -hmm. And I just kind of thought, like, wow, like, she's so much braver than I ever was in childhood because I wouldn't ever get on top of the monkey bars but as an adult you have that re like realization of like whoa like if this kid falls that could hurt or if I fall from this height that could hurt and it's like we've kind of quelched our bravery a little bit mm -hmm. and kids will like face face their fears I feel like anyway until that until things change when they're usually around like I would say after puberty it kind of shifts you have a little bit more awareness of your mortality um and so you're not necessarily quite as brave as you were maybe when you were seven and eight years old jumping between playground structures at a really great yeah. height <laughs> yeah that's interesting and I mean like there's definitely something to that and I wonder if some of it is because they don't really have all of the experiences like they've never Maybe they've never fallen from the monkey bars before, so they don't know how it would hurt or how it could be painful for them, right? Like, I, I watch my daughter do things, and I'm just like, you're going to walk into the wall, and it's going to hurt. And she just, like, walks into the wall, and I'm like, okay, but you don't have, the, like, she doesn't have the logic of an adult 
or even like an older child who knows that like this would hurt um the other thing too is is like when I'm trying to explain to her like if you do that and like you're gonna hurt yourself regardless Mm -hmm. and then you know she just doesn't seem to like understand the concept of like I could hurt myself and then you know when it happens you try very hard not to laugh (laughs) yeah exactly all right, small child, you just did something that I told you not to do, and it hurt you, and I find it mildly hilarious. <laughs> I feel like that might also apply to husbands. <laughs> um, yes, I agree. <laughs> hey, husband, don't do that. It's going to hurt you. And what did you just do? Okay, yeah, now I have all of the ammo I need to just laugh at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, That's. it's interesting how... I guess it has a lot to do with it, like just the brain development of a child. And like, we know that they, well, actually I can't say we know this. It is believed that children's memories don't get ingrained quite the same as when it happens as an adult. Like mm. they say that children under, I think, is it two or 18 months, they don't actually have memory. But I was 16 months, and I have a memory of when I was 16 months old, and I was in my walker that are, they're banned in Canada now because you can't have walkers with wheels on them because too many kids fall down the stairs because I was a kid that fell down the stairs, smashed my teeth out. But I very distinctly remember having that happen and thinking to myself, this is, must be what downhill skiing feels like before the, hit, the, the fall hit. I have no memory of, of me smashing my face. I have no memory of me being picked up by my mom or the fact that I knocked my teeth out. I have no memory of that at all, but I can guarantee you that I know I had that thought as I was scooting down the stairs. First of all, also success that I got the gate open because I first fought with the gate to get it open. Wow. And then, and then I got the gate open and I was, and it was only two stairs in our back door landing. And I just screwed it down enough that I had enough time to have that thought in my head because I think I was, um, I'm pretty sure we were watching the Olympics on TV when it was, or like something with skiing, which is where I would have got the memory of skiing. Mm-hmm. And then having that, wow, like thought process. And that's my first memory. And I was only 16 months old. So I love the fact that you were like, this is, this must be what skiing is like. I'm like, if I was 16 months old, I don't know if I would know what skiing was. <laughs> yeah. I think the only reason why I had that memory is because it was recently on the television. Mm-hmm. So that also tells me that maybe we're actually underestimating memory in children because what you consume under the age of two years old on TV does imprint who like upon you, who like what your belief system are. I think I learned how to read city names by watching the environment Canada channel oh, that's and so listening, funny. right. And listening to the, like the weather reports and the voiceover weather reports, and then me cluing into what the letters looked like on the television and what the words would, should sound like. That's mm-hmm. what, that's how I learned how to say Chicago not from a teacher. I was before school even started. I knew how to say Chicago. Just by That's interesting. Yeah, which is such a weird, another weird young child-like memory. Filed right in with all the weird Bloody Mary stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so, I don't know, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, there's definitely got to be something about, like, young children being drawn into the paranormal, and whether that's, like, maybe it's some sort of remembrance of, like, what we like where we come from or like past life memories and things like that like I've always understood it to be like obviously when we are older like getting close to a death door we start to slip in between the worlds 
but I would say too, like children kind of do that. And I think it's because they're, they're still really close to like their entrance portal. Mm. And then when you get older and you're getting close, like, you know, if you're dying of natural reasons, right? Like you're getting close to death, but you're like going through that process. You're not just like instant. Mm -hmm. Um, when you get to that point of, you know, your life is ending, that's when I feel like you're at that death door um, yeah. or a portal out, right? And I think those are those times where you can kind of slip between the worlds a little bit more easily when you're, I will say, when you're like more of a muggle and you're not fully awake in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I feel like now, like, I mean, not that I've tried it, but like, I'm sure if I tried, I could probably like astral travel or, um, you know, do do more of that traveling um, aspect of things as opposed to, how about I qualify it as saying consciously, right? Because like, if you're conscious yeah. about it, you can do it. But you, when you're a child and when you're getting closer to a death door, maybe you're not conscious of how you're um slipping between worlds i'll say i can see that because i also feel like sometimes when when you have someone who you know is like on their exit strategy on their exit point mm-hmm. um whether they're really really old in like they've had their life or whether they're even if they just have an illness and they're on the younger side like number one i do think that unless it's a purely accidental death i think that inherently we all do know when it's coming Mm -hmm. but that they don't necessarily when they're older especially like i saw this with my uncle where he kind of slipped in and out of of his usual self in his last couple of years and some outbursts of anger and whatnot that were it was just false targeting but and it's like i can understand like especially when someone who's in constant pain and their health is, is not well like pain wears a person down so that too, that disassociation, because you almost don't want to be in your body because it, being in your body fucking hurts. Mm-hmm. So you check yourself out. And then, I mean, how much of that also invites in other energies around you because they're like, oh, there's someone we can step into for a little while and have some fun with, and then, you know, step back out. And then that, that person comes back into their awareness again. And mm-hmm. Yeah, that's certainly interesting. And I would... That would be a fun one to track, honestly. It would be. Yeah, that would be. (laughs) Absolutely. And also, another thing that can't come into my awareness, um, you know, I I kind of, I say, like, my previously haunted basement. Well, um, my grandmother lived with us for a long time, and she she didn't pass in the basement, but she did live with us up until her her passing. And I really, like, I mean, I was only 13 or 14 years old, so... And I definitely didn't have the lensing that I do now, but when I look back on that situation and thinking about how the medical system medicates for pain, um, I'm, I think by the time I'm at that age, that it's going to look much different. And like, maybe I could just get some cannabis put right up to my veins or something rather than the morphine that they use, because I really feel there's something in the morphine that changes a person too, because I, and they, they do kind of give you that heads up that like, it does change who they are and not to take what's coming out of their mouth personally, but now add the lensing of psychic paranormal stuff. And it's like, well, is this actually opening them up to a hijacking of energy or entity? And that's where the anger is coming from. Mm. It's, it's a curious thing as well, because like my grandmother pretty much told every single person that came to visit her, what they thought, what she thought of them. 
in her dying days and it was not nice and it was traumatic for some more than others and it was hard to watch but when I look back on her life like obviously we all go through shit she's had a lot of traumatic experiences from what I'm hearing from her sisters and like what my mom can recollect and whatnot so it's of no fault of her own like she only knew like you you know what you know you don't know what you don't know until you know it and I, I don't hold anything against her but she didn't fully cross over also I think might have something to do with the morphine of it and so like if you have a memory like my mom someone in the family had, had mentioned this about when my grandmother was dying that during somebody's visit she had said to them that um oh I'm on morphine is that way I can see myself floating above my bed because she had the awareness that she was looking down on her body in this hospital room and so I don't know that she was actually fully able to understand that she was dying if her soul was already disassociated from the human body and then when her body did finally let her go if her soul's not fully aware that she passed she didn't fully cross over she hopped on hopped on the ride back home with the family to the house where she knew to live and she actually her energy was still here until very recently and it was it was interesting for me to have this awareness because um, I mean I've lived here my entire life with the exception of a couple of years where I was on my own for a while and when I moved back home I didn't notice right at first, but I was not interested in coming into the basement. And I never really was. Like, I think everyone's always freaked out about their own basements a little bit. And even when I was in my, like, late teens, early 20s, like, like a couple of, like, five, ten years after my grandmother had passed, like, I would be down here working on my whatever university project till two, three o'clock in the morning. But you flick all the lights off and, man, you want to run up those stairs. Because there was just, like, this, once it was fully dark down here, the energy shifted. Mm -hmm. and you didn't want to be around and even after like recently after my grandmother passed my brother had also mentioned that he he like he wouldn't actually put it to words but I do think he saw shadows and so he didn't feel comfortable sleeping in the basement either and I totally understand now why and having the awareness of like she was still hanging around but when the souls don't fully cross over because they have either a bone to pick or a contract to, to fulfill or a reconciliation to ask for like and if they were an angry person before they died and they still have that unfinished business, they're going to hang around. And she was actually, in my experience anyway, I think she was contributing a lot to the control dramas and the arguing and the fighting that we had in our family. And it was not even authentically because we disagreed with each other, but it was just her energy pitting us against each other because she always, has always fed off of that. Mm -hmm. A lot of the stories that I'm hearing from her siblings who are all in their 90s now the ones that are still around um has have often said like she was not the kindest sister she had a bit of a mean streak in her and this is not something that the like our family doesn't talk about it so to speak but it's just because they don't know how to process that stuff so if she was always mean-spirited to begin with and then she's hanging around in my basement like once I had that awareness and we were able to cross her over she wasn't happy at first that we were doing this mm -hmm. but now when she presents she's no longer angry she's still a little pushy but I just think that's her nature and it's not like when I call her for information to communicate through that mediumship aspect like it's not like it was before, like six months ago when she was still hanging around and haunted the basement you know and yeah. 
the second within the week of me figuring that out and helping her cross over fully like I've the energy of this basement has completely shifted we're like everyone in the family is motivated to get the like the stuff that we've had in storage for so long like we're doing a lovely purge like yard sale like crazy and it's been redecorated and just the, the, just even being down here now like yeah it's dark out but like it's awesome I would have no problem sleeping down here at all like not at all and it doesn't have that creepy basement vibe anymore so like it's a very interesting I didn't actually think of it as paranormal but now when I think about when I used to go into her bedroom which is now where I store all my art stuff like it makes sense why my creativity was quelched like I haven't had creative inspiration in a long time well because as far as she was concerned she still lived here and like she didn't like how it was decorated because I was taking over and her and I didn't always get along or see eye to eye but I was also an obnoxious teenager, so I can't really blame her. <laughs> yeah. And it's like that story really makes me wonder too, like what is it about basements that make yeah. them so freaking creepy? Because other than like the, I'm currently filming this or recording this from in my basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is probably the only basement that I've been in in my entire life that has not felt creepy in some way, right? Like I could sit down here with all the lights off and I would feel totally fine. I, I slept down here actually. Um, and it makes me wonder like, what is it about basements that make them so creepy? Is you know? your home a newer build? It our is. home is about 45-ish years old. Mm-hmm. And so I've noticed, I've had a note, a difference in like, I've been in a few homes that are a newer build. Energy's great. The basement of this one in particular, where I was like my first experience walking into a basement, not being freaked out was a friend of mine. And when I walked into his basement, it's only about like, when you walk into his home, you either go up or down right away. So it was only about seven stairs max where I think I, I think our basement has like nine or 10 stairs. So it's a bit of a deeper basement. So I wonder, does it have to do with, the depth in which the basement was dug deep because I feel like older homes, the basements are much deeper into the ground than newer builds and, or the land it was built upon. Did this land even want to become a residential area because they certainly weren't asking for permission to build. And I don't know, (laughs) I don't know if we'll see that in our lifetime, to be honest with you, Mm -hmm. but like, which I think could be a part of it as well. Like, because I think where we, in my neighborhood, it used to be marshland and forest and farmland. Like, my dad has memory of biking out here to go fishing in the fo- in the marsh, which is now where I, we're pretty sure is where the high school is, which explains their dank basement they have. No kidding. <laughs> Again, a basement. And it's a basement. Like, nobody wanted to ever be down there. You had to go through there for outdoor ed classes. So you would, you know, that's where the ski room was. And, like, nobody ever wanted to be down there. It was stinky and it was creepy. Mm-hmm. so there's got to be but is it also because of the layers in the earth like is there is there different like the way the human body reads information it does earth read information similarly and so now you're into her surface a little bit and the deeper down you go the mm-hmm. different energies you might tap into like because caves I've been in caves and I haven't felt freaked out but I've definitely felt more like interesting earth energy and not always the kindest like some of it has been unsettling being in the caves 
And so there's also the, like the naturally occurring caves versus the one, the tunnels that were, you know, used for the Underground Railroad. Like those are going to have a much different vibe than yeah. the ones that are like beautiful places that you can go climbing through that I don't think I would ever do because I don't like the idea of climbing through rocks and not being able to get out but I'll watch the videos someone someone hook up a GoPro and I'll watch the footage from that aspect and have the same experience thank you very much yes yeah that's that's I don't know it's just a very interesting thought like because mm-hmm. yeah there's there's been a ton of basements I mean like for example um I went on a, a ghost walk um mm-hmm. a couple of Oh my God, probably more than a couple of Halloween, almost a decade, longer than a decade ago, actually. Wow. Yeah, I think it was in like my very, like I was either just, just barely 20 or, mm-hmm. yeah, I must have been around 2021. 20, it, anyways, regardless, age does not matter at this point. Um, but like we went on a ghost walk. And um, if I remember correctly, I believe we were in, the Pantages Playhouse. Okay. Um, and like, you, if you've ever been in that theater, so they have like the ex or the interior is still very um. What's the word? I don't want to use the word dated, but it's very um, I don't know, authentic to what the theater yeah. would have been, right? Um, and I remember we went into. We went into the basement of it, and like. I didn't feel, I mean, we were in a group of like 10 to 15 people, so it's not like super creepy, you know, when you're by yourself, but I remember they, like, one of the things that they wanted you to do was like, if you had any tools that, you know, could use to um, uh, basically read into the energies to bring them, right? So me being my little witchy self, I brought um, my pendulum, and I remember we went down there, and I how this was like this was a pendulum that didn't really give me too much like it would give me small circles but it wasn't too crazy and although i didn't really see anything i didn't really like sense anything my pendulum and i like i shit you not i'll show you what it was like it was like this it was like whipping around and i was like holy shit what is happening and like i remember I remember the, one of the tour uh, guides came up to me and she's like, do you feel any, like what, like your pendulum is going like insane. Like mm. what is going on? Like, do you feel anything? Do you sense anything? What do you see? And I'm like, yeah. nothing. Like I'm, I'm literally like, what the heck? I'm trying to not hit my face with my yeah. pendulum here. <laughs> but like they had EMF detectors. I think they had a spirit box, which is like, the spirit box scans um, radio frequencies really, really rapidly. And, and the, I guess you could say the theory, because it's not really proven yet. Um, but there's this theory that, like, the ghosts can manipulate the really rapid um, frequencies of the radio to then create um, words. And what brings more validity to this is when it's over a sweep of multiple stations, the same voice speaking a consistent sentence, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's so cool when you actually experience it in person. Um, but they were getting none of that. They were, there was no EMF. 
There was no spirit box. There was no anything else. It was just like I had my pendulum going like crazy. Um, and even the medium, <laughs> we had a medium in the, the group with us. And, and she was like trying to tell us the story of like down in this basement, we usually see blah, 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 or we experience this. And I'm just like, cool story, guys. <laughs> like this is the lamest ghost walk ever i don't know what i was expecting but it was it was really cool to hear the history and like be in that energy um Mm -hmm. but it was one of those things where i'm like cool like i didn't experience anything and i was kind of quite sad about it actually (laughs) i was i was expecting like ghosts to come out of the walls and like to you know do do the things that happen in the movies where like yeah. someone gets like knocked down because a ghost just is like fuck you and pushes you over right? like, <laughs> if i'm going to come back as a ghost that'll be me <laughs> <laughs> fuck you bitch <laughs> yeah oh, so, so i don't know super super fun basements are weird <laughs> yeah basements of like any building i feel like other than new construction i wonder what there is about new versus old and um, I've never gone on a ghost tour, but I did do the uh, Parliament Building tour, mm-hmm. which is super fascinating. And I can guarantee you I've saw shadows. I can guarantee you I saw shadows. And I was with a friend who was, this was prior to my mediumship skills turning on. Um, so probably around 2012 or 20, between 2012 and 2014. And uh, we did this tour in the summer and um I was fine until we got again into the basement of our parliament building. And that was where I had seen some like shadow stuff going on in the sides of like our periphery. And as I'm saying that I'm hearing some knocking sounds upstairs outside. So I'm like, what's up there? What's going on? But there could be a guest who knows someone could be here. It's fine. So yeah. A paranormal guest coming. Yeah. Let's not, no, they can leave. (laughs) They don't need to be here. They're not welcome right now. <laughs> I'm not interested in a live portal closing paranormal crossover. <laughs> Y'all can wait. <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah. I do find it interesting. Like, we can talk about this stuff, too, and I feel like I'm brave, but I still get chickened out sometimes, man. Like, I, I don't know that I would. I'm, I'm still not ballsy enough to walk fully alone in a forest unless I had to, but I'm pretty sure I would be with really heightened intuition on that one. And I would be calling in all the guides and teams, like my Invisa team or whatever you want to call them. Like, I would be like, yo, let's go, like, get me through this. Because again, like you start to just freak yourself out. I have been on hikes a few times in the local uh, national, not national, provincial parks with friends where it's become dusk and it's been too dark. Um, But we we tend to freak each other out sometimes and then laugh about it afterwards because i i do remember walking um i think actually it was cedar bog trail but we started um the opposite direction like we started um not on the entrance like literally the opposite direction i really don't know why i need to clarify that (laughs) Uh, and as we were coming out of this the bog and into the long stretch which is more treed and a little bit um, not so much like that sandy prairie stuff but it was like lightly treed there was this bush up ahead that we weren't sure it was a bear or not. And none of us had enough battery power on our cell phones to flick our stupid flashlights on like great preparation there. And it was like the middle of summer, but we were like, you know, 
watching and staring intently into the bush to see if it's moving or if the wind's rustling it or whatnot, seeing what kinds of things we can use to make noise just in case it is an animal. Well, two steps forward and you realize it's just a bush and then we laugh at ourselves and we realize how close we were to the parking lot and that's fine. Um, but then that brought up, for this friend of mine in particular, that brought up another experience of ours when we were at Assiniboine Park, which is in the heart of our city. And there's a lot of, it's in the back stretch where the volleyball courts are behind the zoo. And there's some bonfire pits that are available. And this was like in our, we were in our early 20s. That was way back when I smoked cigarettes. And I don't know why I ever did that. Thank goodness I stopped. But we had stopped. We had gone for a cruise because that what we would, that's what we would do in the weekends, later evenings. And we would go for a cruise and we decided to park in this park and get out of the car and have a smoke. And we were facing where the volleyball carts were, but there's also like this open space in behind it and there's a whole bunch of treed lots and it's actually at the border of where it's the personal property and the park boundary. And I don't think that there's like fencing in there. Like I don't think there was any chain link fencing where it said like, you know, this is this is private property. It was just the tree line. And we were looking towards the bush area and there wasn't anybody really else around us. I think there was only one other car parked in this little loop and they were further back and they were like at one of the first uh, bonfire pits. So they weren't that close to us that it would have logically been them in the bush looking for firewood because they also already had a stack of wood by that fire pit. And there, I think there was only two or three of them at that fire pit. And so my friend and I pulled over and decided to hop out of the vehicle and we were standing in this semi-open field looking, I would say, northwest-ish direction, which is towards the interior of the park, not towards the main street. And um, we heard this cracking in the, in the bush and I was like, did you hear that? And she's like, we kind of looked at each other at the same time. We paused. And then, you know, like you brush it off, but you, you start to listen a little more intently. And then we hear it a cracking again. And we both looked at each other and then looked at the bush. And I don't think anyone would ever have believed us. I don't even know if I would have believed it if I wasn't with her. But because her and I witnessed the same thing at the same time. So we were standing there and like it all happened so fast. But I, like I'm, the way that I tell the story, it actually feels like it lasted longer. But that's not true. Like within split seconds, we hear this cracking again. We look up towards the bush area and this being comes running out towards us. And in that split second that we looked at this movement coming towards us, which at first I actually thought was a deer, but then I connected to the front of the face and what it looked like. And it looked more like horses, probably too big, but dog, not wolf, but more, more canine, but like elongated, like a Doberman style or like um, a lab, but like a short haired dog but big, bigger than like, as, as big as a deer. And I'm like, this in my human brain and of my animal awareness of what lives in our city, it wasn't a coyote unless it had a shave, which doesn't make any sense to me. But we were looking, we see this being coming towards us. And the second that we both registered that there was something coming towards us, we were about to stop or will not stop it. Like we were in freeze and we were about to pivot and then her and I made eye contact and then we looked back towards the being and it was like this thing realized that we saw it and it got snapped back as if it was attached to a bungee cord. And then when it got snapped back into the bush, you didn't hear any cracking sounds. And we both like fumbled at the same time, like this all happened in split seconds because in literally it was like, 
we hear the crack, we look at each other, we look at the bush, we see this thing, we look at each other again, we drop our cigarettes, make sure they're out hopping the car, and that thing had sprung back all, all within maybe five seconds or less. And our adrenaline was just high, and we hightailed it out of that park, and just started laughing at each other, but like, also, what the fuck did we just see? Because it's not anything that makes sense to my human brain in the way that it carried itself, the way that it pounced out of the like it was as if a deer and a wolf had a child like because that's kind of what the way that it was walking to me and like I don't know that I know anything specific even in the paranormal realm or in folk tales that would match that description and for it to be coming out of the forest in the middle of our city like near the river like like what the heck did we witness I have no idea and not deer maybe (laughs) you might be right about that actually I don't know that's a possibility but the bungee jumping part was the part that really was like as if it was getting yanked back or as if it realized oh shit they can see me and they're not supposed to see me I gotta dissipate (laughs) that is that's the creepy well I mean all of it is pretty creepy but like the the imagination or like me imagining that of like something running on all fours coming at you and then just snapping back. And like, I imagine all of its legs coming out like that and just like, Oh yeah. Gone. Yeah. That, that makes me so unnerved. <laughs> I'm like, why? That is yeah. so creepy. But yeah. I don't know. Desk. Yeah. There's lots of deer in that park. So who knows? Maybe you just happen to see a not deer. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe because we like we were like is that was that a deer was that a dog like and if it was a dog where was the dog's owner and why was it running away like did it get off of its chain and then why did it not make any sound when it left so I don't know if there is portals in that neighborhood like I haven't been like I tend not to hang out at that park after dark anymore thank you very much (laughs) um I was hoping to experience this with you (laughs) well I could take you to the neighborhood if you'd like (laughs) But I know that I need to have, like, a quick route to my car in case you decide to disappear on me. (laughs) (laughs) We won't leave the vehicle. It'll be fine. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. (laughs) I don't know. And it's interesting because I I think so much has changed around that park um, in the last little while that, like, who knows what what is around that park or what's in that that park. And Right? I don't know. It's a very very interesting time Um, yeah yeah they're doing major overhaul of my favorite section that that old english style garden is gone and they've done there's like they're building a new pavilion or something there like and i actually don't even think i've been in that park in the last three years because i actually live closer to birds hill park so for me that's my preference for park and that park there's only one there's only well there's a couple of spots in that park that freak me out a little bit when it's getting dark but for the most part like I feel pretty safe in that park and I have great awareness of my surroundings and there's always something beautiful to spot when you're there and I get to go hang out with the chickadees because they're so much fun (laughs) (laughs) until you and I decide that we're gonna walk down Pope's Hill after dark after watching the sunset and (laughs) scare the shit out of me (laughs) That's true. That's a good one. That's absolutely a good one. So for our listeners that are not aware, um, this is one of the trails in the park, and it is um, it is a tribute to when Pope was a John Paul the Seventh or something. I don't know. I don't. One remember. of the John Some Pauls. Pope. Sorry to all of our listeners out there that are getting offended by the way that I <laughs> describe this, but anyway, it's, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, I'm not 
a religious person. Um, I don't have like no disrespect to religion at all. Like I appreciate its intention, um, but this is definitely in an area of the park that's not heavily wooded at all. It's mostly paved trail, lots of stairs. It's great for workouts, um, but it's like the best spot in the park to stand and watch the sunrise and the sunset because you have a clear sight of the meadow and the tree line and um, you really can stand on top of this hill and see everything around you. So you're in open space, but then are, does that also make you an open target? I don't know. <laughs> well, at least you can see things coming at you if you needed to, you know. Escape quickly. Yeah. But I, I like the funny thing about that whole thing was um, like I, we were walking back after dark um because we had went and watched the sunset and like it was totally impromptu I think you were on like you were in the park and I was coming home from work and it was just like oh I'm like literally right here let's yep. go watch the sunset with Carol because that doesn't yep. sound romantic at all <laughs> hey we got some great photos it was a good time <laughs> we did we got tons um but yeah so on our way back I'm like I'm hyper aware because like the energy again the energy of this park can change after dark sometimes and also That's too true. it's it's the fall so i'm also being very cautious of like i don't know bears you know yes mm -hmm. Absolutely. so if i remember correctly i remember we were coming down and i was seeing movement in the tree line that like it was a white pale figure and i'm like trying to determine if it's like a human or not a human and I, I think I d just determined that it was a human because you and I had had a conversation. We're like, oh, look, there's two of them. It's it's people. We're fine. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know how you did it, but I think you made a joke about the Wendigo. Yeah, and just probably that moment. The Windy Boy. <laughs> the Windy Bagels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but just as that moment, we were walking past a bush and <laughs> and this bird in this bush heard the word, like, heard what Carol had said, and, like, I don't know, freaked out. It just, like, rustled its feathers. In that instant, <laughs> I thought I was about to get eaten, <laughs> and I was about to die, and then, so, like, you know, you're, you're, like, I don't know, I don't know what part of the brain it is, but, like, the brain that senses fear was, like, holy shit, I'm gonna have to run for my life. Carol, you're it, <laughs> and go. And then the other part of me was like, oh, wait, wait, it was just a bird. <laughs> so I had like this internal struggle of like, holy shit, I'm terrified. And like, no, 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 it's calm. It's fine. And I think that ended up in me just bursting out into laughter. <laughs> Sounds about right. And just so you all know, like I had no awareness that she was scared at all, nor did I have any awareness that she was about to take off and leave me to die. <laughs> with whatever this being was that she thought she saw in this bush like so you know <laughs> clearly i need to make sure that i'm also prepared to run because if erin is running then i also need to run because she's not waiting for me <laughs> no no and um and the funny thing too is, is all i have to do is outrun you that's all fine yeah yeah, yeah. That's, that's such a loving friendship we have <laughs> i know you're on your own bitch <laughs> hey you would have summoned them, dude. Like <laughs> that's possibly true, not intentionally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the, the that's an interesting other tale that which also like circles back around to like you know when you're a kid and you you freak yourself out a little bit and 
even my teachers, like, I don't know why this is a thing. Teachers, why do we do this to our students? Because I did it to my students too, and I freaking loved it. So maybe that's why. But like reading the books, the scary stories, mm-hmm. and not having any awareness at all that there are actual, like, there are threads of truth in those stories because those are written from oral oral histories and different folklore of different belief systems especially the Wendigo specifically is like uh I think it's like an indigenous belief system Mm -hmm. I don't know like fully all the details of it I only know the scary stories version of it um but I also have noticed in the last month or so that it seems as though they've really been in the awareness a lot of people are talking about them and they're speculating and asking questions and wanting to learn more about that stuff and I'm just like yo like it's interesting but I don't want to call that stuff in because if that is for sure and if or if that's what I actually saw when we were at that park with my friend in my 20s like I don't want to have to physically see this to believe it and to honor that they also exist in the forest and they can leave me out of their whatever hungry season you know if that's what like I'm not the person for you dude (laughs) yeah well, and I mean, just don't be stupid in the park. Don't don't just talk about them candidly as you're walking in the dark. You know, let's yeah. just not do that. Um, yeah. Don't follow the bells you're hearing off in the distance. Or or random whistles. Or like, if you hear someone screaming in the woods, don't be like, "I'm coming to save you." Fuck yeah. that. I'm like, <laughs> um, I'll I'll figure I'll out. I'll call nine one one, but I'm getting in my car. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you're on your own. <laughs> Help is coming! I've called the police! <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I definitely would like to learn more about the folklore, but yet I don't, because with the lensing that I have now, I, like, I can get the, 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 the skin pricklies already, just thinking about how these oral histories would have come from somewhere. And yes, as they're passed down generation to generation, things get distorted. But ultimately, I would argue that likely somebody had a firsthand experience with this. And that's where these stories actually came from. So Mm -hmm. I do think that they do hold some merit. And I think it would be interesting to learn about them in a safe setting and also then learn about how not to call them in while you're exploring that but having that that folklore and that um awareness like I do remember having my grade two teacher reading these stories out loud to us as like you know like especially in a Halloween month like Halloween is so great when you're a kid and like reading scary stories before the bell goes and then the story that they they read is like this with the story of the Wendigo although I don't think it's like quite the same information as what I've since acquired in the last year especially but they also have imagery right and the image is like the way the author writes these stories is really great about painting the images in the child's mind. And then the teacher shows you the illustration and then you get the, that gross, like creepy full body experience of that like pure terror. Like, I don't want to have to experience that in my human life to understand that these beings also deserve the boundaries. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, like, I know a little bit about the, I was going to say the history, but I guess, folklore might be more accurate I don't know quite what I'd say but it is an Algonquin um, folklore or story Um, and like there's there's many different tales about like the creation of or how they started but essentially it is this being that's that was once human 
that is then transformed into this really creepy looking creature that like eats people. Um, and it's, it's really fascinating. Like, I don't know, dude, like it's, it's a really, if you want to learn about it, I'd just say, just Google it, but don't go looking for them because yeah. I'm pretty sure if, if they are like, I mean, there is a thread to, of truth to all of these stories. Like, I mean, am I going to say that if you go off in the forest and you call out for the, you know, the windy bagels to come and get you, are they going to come? Maybe, maybe not. But I, I certainly would not be the one testing that theory. Yeah. You no, know, it's the same thing like, you know, you wouldn't want to piss off the fake, you know, the fae, um, you know, beings out there by doing various things mm-hmm. because you never fucking know, especially <laughs> with the lensing that we, that we have now. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I don't know, dude, I would, that's like, to me, that's like walking into, you know, downtown, you know, in our city and then just like, wearing all of your expensive jewelry and clothes yeah. and like wearing your cell phone very visibly out and like expecting your yourself not to get like you know yeah, draw attention to you <laughs> let's leave it a draw attention to you although yeah. i did i did work downtown for a long time and i feel like um the stigma of it is is more of a stereotype than accurate but I also give off a certain presence when I walk downtown and I have no problem carrying the attitude of don't fuck with me because I ain't interested in this. And for the most part, I get smiles and compliments and I don't get the harassment. Although I do have people trying to offer me to buy jeans out of their coat pockets. <laughs> but at the same time, they got to do what they got to do. I got to do what I got to do. And I, you know, politely decline and continue on my way. <laughs> downtown amazing (laughs) yeah absolutely that's why i prefer the forest to the city yeah like even with all of the things that come along with the forest especially the unknown aspects of it like our ancestors survived in the forest so like i feel like i could do it (laughs) i might have a few large dogs with me Mm -hmm. living with me however um but it's the same as like you know you're not going to want to piss off a bear around their cubs you don't wear a bell when you're hiking because there's a joke. I have a friend that works for conservation in in, uh, in Alberta, in the mountains and all the different parks that are out there. And she's like, we have a running joke that like, you're wearing a bell when you're hiking, you're wearing a dinner bell. And when she said that, my immediate thought was, well, that makes sense because how do the fake communicate? And it had nothing to do with anything human. But like, if, if animals can see the telluric realm, Mm-hmm. but humans can't unless they're really tuned into it i would like to think that a bear probably has an awareness of these beings and if the telurics are using bells to communicate with each other or just for celebration or whatever fun stuff that they whatever kind of shenanigans they get into if a human's wearing a bell a bear is not going to feel threatened by that because it's not human enough of a sound they assume that it's like more of a curiosity for them and it's it's interesting how many people don't realize that that's actually not a thing like and they'll put bells around their dogs and their cats whatever they're taking with them on hikes like leash or not like i don't understand why you would basically create a beacon upon yourself which is why i also don't recommend going into the middle of the forest and asking for the windy boys to show up because no bueno no thank you like no no <laughs> it's not, an experience, not a paranormal experience i need to have on this in this lifetime so um but it's also it's like 
yeah, like, and I, was, I remember being in, in um, what is the Grotto Canyon? It's a beautiful trail just outside of Canmore. And I did it myself twice, but I wasn't necessarily alone on the trail. But the first time I walked it, it was in, it was when uh, Calgary had their first snowfall in like September. And I decided to take off to Calgary for a week. And even though I left beautiful Winnipeg weather, because it was like plus 25 that week in Winnipeg, I was in Calgary dealing with the snow, but I didn't have the proper boots. So I didn't finish the trail. And I was really annoyed with myself for not finishing the trail. And it was daylight. Um, I also didn't really know how long this trail was going to take me to get there, but you walk along the winding, like very winding creek, and it's on really heavily thick rock, and you're walking, and there's, there's actually, um, there's actually Hopi paintings along the wall, like along the rock faces that I couldn't spot, um, but I would love to go back to look for them, but apparently they're quite hard to find, but like that's a beautiful piece of history that I would love to learn more about, just mm -hmm. because of the land and it's being part of Canada. But I was doing this trail and I got, I think I was probably about one quarter of the way to the, to the waterfall, which is what the end goal was. And this group of girls passed me by and they all had bells on them. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing. And this was before I, my friend had told me about the joke that they have in conservation. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing that makes no sense to me. Because even if I was an animal, a bell wouldn't scare me. I'd be like, oh, what's that? Who's playing pretty music for me? And I want to go check it out. Like, what come at you with my bear claws. Yeah. So I ended up not following, uh, following the trail or finishing the trail. And I really actually got into interrogator with myself on that one. And I really beat myself up because that was like my one challenge for when I was out there, I wanted to do this trail. And I got back, started walking back. And it was so interesting that the mindset that I was in, I actually slipped three times on that trip in, to Calgary. I literally fell on my ass three separate occasions, two of which was on this trail. And it didn't start happening until after I decided to change my, my course and pivot and go back instead of finishing the trail. So then a year later, I went again, and it was thankfully summer weather. It was August instead of end of September when I went um, the second time. And I did that trail again, wearing the same boots, but it wasn't wintry, so it wasn't so bad. But when I realized how far I had gotten, I almost kicked myself again for not finishing it the first time. So now I, I'm like, it always makes me kind of think of like, well, like why, what energy or what resonance did I hit that made me turn around and chicken out and not go see this waterfall? Because I think it would have been beautiful in the winter because it was already starting to ice over. And I have some beautiful photos from, from like, from that stream mm -hmm. when it was icy. And then for me to go back the second time, and I actually collected some water from the canyon. I still have it in a jar in my room, like a typical witch. <laughs> And um, it's like, it makes you think about what it was that actually divine intervention or was that something else interfering with me because I should have just finished the trail. Like, I mean, yes, it was, it could have just been slipping too, but it, it felt like there was more to me being knocked on my ass that trip than anything else. So it was an interesting, not so paranormal, but kind of paranormal experience. And then also even a year later on that hike, again, people on that trail wearing bells. And I, and it was a beautiful echo up the canyon because it was such a clear and crisp day that I had done the trail and it was like late late summer beautiful weather bright sunny sky but uh again I had that chuckle to myself like yeah and you're just wearing a dinner bell like you don't even know it but the closer you get to where the waterfall is it narrows and it gets taller and so it actually echoed quite beautifully and I thought to myself I would love to come back here with a drum mm -hmm. one day and yes. sing out loud to the mountain and see what happens <laughs> see what kind of like energies we can 
tap into out there so yeah well there's probably tons of telluric beings so oh yeah i'm sure i'm absolutely sure of that no doubt about that at all podcast road trip yes (laughs) yes please that would be fun that would be so fun well one day we will have to take a trip out that way so Mm -hmm. i I feel like there's going to be a lot of trips out there actually (laughs) because I'm trying to manifest living out there, maybe. Like, I'm still, there's still a trajectory for that, but there's also a trajectory for staying here as long as I'm in the forest and not in the city. Yeah. And away from the paranormal stuff. (laughs) No creepy old homes. No creepy old haunted homes. (laughs) Well, and I mean, now we have the skills to be able to clear and, you know, get rid of that stuff, so. That is true. That is very true. Yeah. Awesome. Well, any other stories or tidbits that you'd like to share? Well, I think that plus our surprise um, spider visitor today, I think that pretty much wraps up the paranormal experience on this Freaky Friday. That's awesome. (laughs) Cool, cool. Well, then, I guess without further ado, oh, we should probably tell people where they can find us. Oh, yeah. Before we sign off. Absolutely. You can find me at carolsky.ca. Or on Instagram at Elevate with Carol Sky and Erin. You can find me at erinmindy.ca or at Heal with Erin Mindy on Instagram. Hmm. And we'll put all that information in the show notes. Yeah. And all the links there. And if anyone has any topics they want us to explore, definitely send us a message. Send us an email. All that stuff will be available. I'll get a link tree set up on our um, oh, actually, I guess we should mention our Instagram account for the podcast. The podcast Instagram. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Um, that is uh, at Enter the Vortex Podcast. Yep. <laughs> so that's where that's where we'll do the link tree for us for anyone that wants to. If you guys want to book a session with either one of us um, to talk about your own paranormal experiences and help clear and close all that stuff out of your field, any mediumship, any kind of healing work, absolutely, you can find us there. And I will put all that up in the link tree of our Instagram for the podcast Instagram. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So with that, I guess we'll see them. Well, we won't see you, but (laughs) we'll we'll hear our voices um, in the next episode. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Bye.